GCC dads, all dads in the house, would you stand on your feet so we can recognize you? All dads, all dads, fathers, stand. Let's give an applause worth giving for our daddies. Woo! Our studs. You are studs. Now, studs, be seated. <laughs> we... Uh, we could have just given you those videos as, as a gift to you, but we decided, Dad, you're worth way more than that. And so we, uh, we decided to buy each dad a book. <laughs> Dad's like, oh, man. <laughs> this book, I promise, will impact your life if you let it. And it is written for all men. And so, um, Dad's... Could you do me a favor and just raise your hands, dads, all dads, don't be shy, come on, there's more dads in the house than just this. We have a brand new, uh, well, it's, it's a brand new edition of a book that was written about five years ago from a guy you may know, a pastor of Crossroads Community, Community Church, it's a really small church in Cincinnati, and uh, his name is Brian Tome, and uh, many of you men already have the book if you already have the book, pass it to a man who might not be a dad or a, a dad that you know um, that doesn't have the book. Uh, it is written for all men. That is why it's a very short book. It is very short. So you can read it, but it's concise and to the point. It's called Five Marks of a Man. You want to be a man as God has designed us to be this is the book for you. How many men have read this book already? How many men have been impacted by this book already? Yeah. And we got even a better surprise for you all. On July 24th, a Wednesday night, the author himself, Brian Tome, is going to be here for Man Night. Wednesday, July 24th, Brian Tome will be in the house. And uh, he's going to talk about his book. He's going to talk about the five marks. So guys, invite a friend. This is a night you want them to be at, okay? Uh, if you haven't heard Brian Tome uh, speak, if you haven't been to Man Camp, uh, sponsored by Crossroads, this is something you want to be a part of, if you can. I understand that uh, some of you are going to be on vacation and doing other things but invite men, let's see a hundred plus men in this place to hear from a, an experienced man, experienced dad, who has been broken, who has grown into what God has designed men to be, and he's very passionate, and he's willing to come out all the way from Cincinnati to all the way Blanchester and to be with us men. So that is going to be awesome. So uh, if we have any books left, those who are passing out books, if you're a man and yet not a dad yet, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, uh, we want every man here to have a book. We have 80-some copies that we purchased for our men here at ECC. And so if you don't have a book... There will be men uh, at the, uh, in the lobby before you leave. Grab a book and then make sure that you're here on Wednesday, July 24th. Can we do something else? And I know you, you dads are going to kill me, but dads, would you stand up one more time? One more time. And if you're surrounding a dad, I want you to grab their wrist, their hand, or their forearm. Feel those muscles. Say, Dad, you're strong. Yeah. And if you're a woman touching a man that's not your husband, you just put a gentle hand on their shoulder. <laughs> We're going to pray for our dads. All right? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these men, men of victory, men of strength, men of compassion, men with passion, men with attitude, men who are studs for you, Jesus. Men who are living a legacy and putting their fingerprint on this world through their kids and through those young, the next generation around us. God, thank you for these men. Would you bless them with health? 
Would you bless them with joy that only comes from you? Bless them with new strength of new fresh fire to lead as dads and as husbands and as men. And Father, would you teach each of us men and dads today of what you've designed us to be and the legacy, the legacy that you've called us to leave behind us. Bless these dads and I pray that every man, every man would sink their teeth into this book, Five Marks of a Man, and be changed through your Holy Spirit because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Whew, happy Father's Day. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I've had an awesome week. It's been Father's Day, and last week I turned the four zero. So now I'm a real man now, right? So uh, life is good, and uh, I'm so excited for Father's Day today. I'm so excited for every single man here because we have been talking since January. We've been talking about problems that we see in our world today. We've been talking about epidemics that we've seen in our world today, and they've grown and they've grown, and things have seemed to get worse and these epidemics are affecting not only our culture, but our next generation and the generations to come. And if we don't do something about these epidemics, we are going to lose our generation and the next generation and your grandchildren and your great, 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 great grandchildren. And one of the epidemics I wanna talk about today that is poison and robbing our society and our culture today is a fatherless generation. A fatherless generation. And I'm not just talking about kids growing up without a man in their life. I'm talking about kids growing up and their, their dad is still a boy. And their dad just doesn't know how to be a man. And we live in this epidemic of this culture breeding adolescence until you're 40 and 50 years old. And Brian Tome says this so beautifully in his book that you have in your hands, hopefully. He says this, we are in a perpetual state of adolescence. I'll get to the quote in just a second. We exalt adolescence. It's our currency in pop music. We sell it. It's the way we market cigarettes. It's the way we market beer. It's adolescence. It's the way we tell our jokes. You see, it's one thing for us men to go back to our boyhood times and maybe even some boyhood jokes and just to be young again and be that boy, but it's not good and it's not right and it's not God's design for men to grow up and stay junior high boys. And we see this culture breeding adolescence of men who are supposed to be men are boys and they're not leading the next generation. They're not leading their families. They're not leading their marriages and they're messing everything up. And God's called us dads to be real men, men that he has designed. And we're gonna look at those five marks of a real dad, but here's the quote, I'll get to it now. We have seen our culture drift to accepting this behavior and give males permission to act like idiots. We call it adolescence. Brian Tome, not me. This is a newer phenomenon. In the past 100 years, no ancient society ever thought adolescence equaled immature and idiotic behavior. Next slide. Psychology Today in 2016 said this. This has just like literally wowed me. In centuries past, a sexually mature person after puberty, okay, was never treated as an adolescent. 
never. Today, sexually mature folk, after puberty, spend perhaps six years, ages 12 to 18, and I would even argue now in 2019, 12 to 30-something, living under the authority of their parents. We have seen over the last 20 to 30 years the results of the culture not training boys to be men and training girls to be women and simply allowing them to not grow up. And we think it's because we're, we're, we're showing them love. That's why I believe Toys R Us had the run that it had. I don't want to grow up. I want to stay a kid. Well, too bad God designed you to grow up into his, minute, his image as a man and a woman. During uh, our time away, uh, my son and I, we like to watch this, just this veterinarian show. Uh, it's, it's, it's wild, exotic animals. And this vet um, was treating this goat that these pets, or excuse me, that these pet owners treated as their own child. This goat was deathly sick. They were feeding it grain. Aren't you supposed to feed goats grain, you think? Well, it's so bad for them. They were feeding them omelets and pancakes and all the cookies and all this stuff. And the vet said this to the owners. <laughs> food is love. Food is love. And food is love. And your love is killing your goat. And we are in a culture where our love for our kids to just let them be kids and let them just not grow up is killing our culture. And if we don't do something about it, we're going to see in 20 some years of a culture led by boys and girls, not men and women. And so, the rest of the message, I promise, is all about life-giving and building you men up. Not tearing you down, but I wanted to set the stage for the epidemic and the problem that we face in our culture. But I'm so humbled. I'm so honored to have the last 10 years watching so many men here. I just see all the faces of men who are godly, real, studly, Jesus-honoring men. And that is what's going to change this church. That is what's going to change your families. That is what's going to change your marriage. That's what's going to change this community. And that ultimately is what's going to change this world. Real men making real difference. You want to be a part of that? I do. Just taking it in, I, I take it, right? So our goal for today, my goal up here, is to speak to my heart and to speak to all men and women. There is definitely a message here, women, to really start to capture in your heart and soak in. I want to empower you dads. I want to give life and motivation, and I want to speak, I want to speak the truth of God into each of you. Men, number one, you just might not think that you're a successful dad. You look back at all your regrets, you look back at what you should have done or could have done differently, and you look at all the things that you wish you did. Stop it. Focus on the man and the dad that God is going to give you the strength, the wisdom, and the power to become. Women, wives, don't look at these five points and see where your husband is not hitting it out of the park. Look at the points where he is becoming a godly man, a real dad. Look at the potential of what God's doing. And then pray for your husband. You can't change him, so don't try. But God can, so ask him. And then third, affirm what you see. Wives, kids, students, take it from me, I'm 40 now. 
Take it from me, as you grow older in the different seasons of life, you are going to see glimpses of sacrifices and things that your dad did as a man, as a real dad, that you either didn't see or that you absolutely abhorred and thought he was a monster for, but you're realizing he was a godly dad because he loved you, he cared for you, and we're gonna see the five marks of a real dad today. So, dads, you're gonna hate me. I'm gonna have you stand one last time. Dads, you thought you were just gonna come and sit under the radar, right? Well, the more you're quiet, the more I'm just gonna have you stand again, right? All right, stand, dads. Stand. Every dad, please, you should be proud to stand. Here's the thing. I'm assuming, I'm assuming, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that every man standing is a biological dad or has legally adopted a child, correct? That is our culture definition of a dad, okay? Now, every single man, young and old, even if you're a teen, even if you're a younger uh, younger boy, uh, maybe you're single, you're not married yet, maybe you're married, you don't have kids, Marry, maybe you're married and you don't plan to have kids. Every man stand up. Every man stand up. Brennan, I'll call you out. Every man stand up. When God made each of you men, he placed something inside each man that you're to grow into. And that is called being a father. Now you're asking me, well, what if I can't have kids? We're not talking about a biological father, folks. We're not talking about a DNA dad. We're not even talking about a legally adopted dad. Every single man was created to be a father. And if you don't have a biological or a legally adopted kid, you're still a dad and a father. Do you realize we live what some would argue, and Brian Tone would even say, is a fatherless generation? You don't have to walk even off this parking lot or go far to find kids that don't have a physical dad in their lives. And maybe they have a physical dad, but he is not being a dad to them. There are boys that need to be trained and showed how to be men, and it's by dads like you who become mentors and spiritual fathers to these men. This is how we change our community. If you agree with me, men, put your hands together and be seated. It's not about making impressions that really just lies to people of who you are. Being a real man and a real dad is all about making an imprint on people's lives, whether they're your biological children or your coworkers' children or kids in the community, your neighbor kids. God has placed you in their lives to be a father figure. They need a real dad, a real dad. And so men, if you want to be real men, which you are, and you want to continue to grow like Christ as a real father, can I encourage you to even sit on the edge of your seat and take it all in today? If you have a book, it's awesome because there's about two to three blank pages in the back of the book. I would love for you guys not for my benefit, but for your benefit, to take notes over these five marks. Read the book, and then if you're able, come on July 24th, and I promise through those three things, you're going to see life change and a legacy starting to be built in your lives and those around you. I hope that's what you want, because that's what God has designed us for. And I do want to give a disclaimer before I get into the five marks. Father's Day, for some, are really crummy. Some of you didn't have the greatest dad. Some of you didn't even have a dad. 
He abandoned you. He left you. He didn't care for you, or at least that's what message was sent to you. And so Father's Day comes with just a bitter taste in your mouth. Can I just encourage you for a moment that that is not what God intended for a dad for you at all? He didn't intend that. He didn't design that. But because we live in a broken world because of sin, we have men who stay boys and don't become real men who father the young. And that's not God's design for us to just stay adolescents and not be real dads. So I encourage you to try to just for a minute push that distraction, men and women, from the dad that you had that just didn't measure up. And look at the father of all fathers who loves you, never fails you, never disappoints, is always there for you, will never leave you, is faithful to the end, and his promises will prevail in your life. That's the kind of dad he wants us to be. So let's get going. Five marks of a real dad. Men, are you ready? Men, are you ready? Okay, women, you ready? Five marks of a, thank you, I love having church. Uh, church is fellowship, is people, is not the pastor on the stage, by the way. Okay, first mark of a real dad is dads have vision. Men say vision. All right, men, get ready for these five marks. I'm gonna have you repeat each one. So men have vision. I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, be watchful and stand firm. Don't sit on your carcass. Don't sit on your hands. Stand firm. Act like men. And be strong. That's in the Bible. <laughs> we're to act like men. If we're to act like men, we need to have vision. Vision, the Hebrew word for vision that comes actually out of Proverbs 29, which we'll talk about in a minute. The word vision actually means dreaming, like dreams for the future. It's revelation. It's inspired by God, and it's vision to dream, to have revelation, to have a vision. That's the Hebrew biblical term of vision. Dads have vision. You know, the Bible says, here it is in Proverbs 29. The King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now let's look at the NIV. Where there is no revelation, there's that definition term coming on, People cast off restraint, meaning they go wild. Oh, can we relate? Adolescence. <laughs> they don't grow out of adolescence. They go crazy. They run wild. They have no restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Real dads have vision. Real dads don't just have vision. And what I mean by that is this word, this, this scripture is taken out of context time and time again. They just say, if you don't have vision for your life, you're going to be lost and you're going to go nowhere and you're not going to have success. If you don't have vision of where you want to be in this company in 20 years from now, you aren't going to get there. Now, I think there are some worldly truth and some logic to that. But what the word of God is talking about is the vision, the, the revelation that we need as men to live our lives is grounded in the truth and the word of God. That's the vision that real dads live out. So you may have vision for your life, but it has nothing to do with honoring God at all. That vision really is not going to take you anywhere eternally, and it's not going to leave the imprint that you long to have when the kids and the generations below you outlive you. 
real men have vision. Boys drift, men focus. Boys live for, day, for today, men think about tomorrow. Men think about the long-term future. Boys just go and sail through open doors and men bust through barriers because they have vision. Boys long to be happy. Men long to have meaning in life because happiness, statistics show, happiness develops people who are takers. You want to live a happy life, boy? Be a taker. You want to have meaning in your life, man? You're a giver. Boys are takers. Men are givers. Which one are you, dad? I speak faith that you are men of vision. What do you long for your kids what do you long for the next generation in the schools in your community? What do you live for now? Do you have a vision? About two years ago, I got together with about 18 men from this church. We called it the, uh, the Leadership Discipleship Group. And the very first thing I had each man do is develop a vision for their life and their family. Men, if you don't have a vision for your life uh, that is grounded and guided by the word of God, and you don't have a vision that is grounded and guided by the word of God for your family, how are you leading your family? Your family is leading themselves. Real dads have vision. And so this takeaway for real dads is in order to live a meaningful life, you need to have vision. Without it, people you love dearly and those around you will drift and hurt. And I'm so thankful we have men of vision in this place and in this community. Vision Brian Tome says this, vision is about doing what has to be done now, even if it's difficult or painful, so that you and others can experience the fruit later. Thank you, Brian Tome. Men of vision. So dads, where are you? Can you see the fruit of your vision in your kids? I hope so. Dads, where can you improve? Maybe it's going home and getting on your knees and asking God for vision for your life and your family. What do you want said 20 years from now of you? What do you want people to say about you when you leave this earthly body, men? It's vision. And then everything else trickles down from vision. So real dads have vision. Number two, real dads work. And all the older men say, amen. <laughs> real dads work. Colossians says this, whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord. And not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Boys, look for the easiest handout with the quickest results. Men, work hard as if it counts for something. Boys, work to stake claims. Men, work to experience life and to experience God. Boys work to serve themselves, which makes them consumers. 
Men work to serve others, which makes them producers. And we have men in this community and this church who work as unto the Lord. You are a real dad. Keep it up. Being a dad is an amazing, amazing vision. And Mark 1 of dads have vision goes hand in hand with why dads work. If you don't have vision, you're not motivated to work. If you don't have something to work towards, you're not going to want to work. And if you don't want to work, guess what? You're not going to. Vision is so important. The reason men work is because men have vision. And they work to carry out that vision. It's an incredible, awesome thing. And fatherhood is absolutely difficult. That's why most men wait till they can't wait anymore. It's because it's not the easy road. It takes a lot of work. And so the takeaway, dads, is real dads work. Your kids, the kids around you that you're a father figure to, maybe kids here at the church that you're a spiritual mentor to, they need you to work for them. You're not working for yourself. You're working for them. What are you working to do? You're working to provide for their needs. Kids are expensive. Karate classes, football, soccer, cheer, gymnastics. Man, that's half my salary right there. Right? They cost things. Dad, I want to go out with my friends. I'm going to Kings Island. It costs things to provide for even the minor needs of your kids. Dads work hard to support their family physically, mentally, and emotionally. And spiritually, you work hard to do whatever it takes to support. And men, real dads, secure. They provide security through their hard work. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, they provide, they support, and they secure. And finally, real dads work with everything they have to leave a fingerprint on the people who will outlive them. How you doing, dads? We got some incredible, hard-working dads in this place. But maybe you need to just fine-tune why you're working the way you're working. Maybe you need to ask yourself, what am I working for? And just kind of tweak what you're doing to align with the vision that God has given you as men and as dads to work. Mark three of a real dad is dads take a minority position. This is my favorite point about real dads. Philippians 126 says, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of the gospel. And then Peter says in Acts 5, it's not on the screen, but he says, we must obey God rather than men. You take a minority stance, real men stand against the current and the storm and the people and the crowds that are going the other way. Boys waver and cower to appease applause. Let me say that again. Boys cower and waver and give up their convictions to get an applause from people. Men stand firm upon their convictions and what is right with or without the applause. That's men that God has designed. We see it throughout all of scripture. 
You see, boys want to go with the flow. Men are okay to stand against the current and go the other way when they know they have vision. They're gonna work for it and they're gonna take their stance. We see this in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you were my niece, Stephanie, she's 21 now, but when she was three, she would say, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. So I always remember that. Shout out to Stephanie if you're watching. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what was so important here is that they were under the authority of the king Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar built this idol, this statue of gold, and it was huge, and it towered over everything and everyone. And he demanded that all people, all citizens, all countrymen, all women were to bow in the presence of this statue. And there were just a few men and women who were faithful to God and God alone. And three of those were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when people realized that they would not bow to an idol and a golden statue that was not God, Nebuchadnezzar had them brought to them facing the furnace, the fiery furnace that they were about to be thrown into. And look what they say. They say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. What they're saying is we don't have to defend ourselves. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, which he did, by the way. But then they say this, but if not. Real dads who take a minority stance learn to say, but if not. We will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. If you have a marriage and you value that marriage and you value being a dad, you are already taking a minority position. And then let's add one on top of that. If you have received Jesus' love and you love Jesus because he first loved you, you are living and taking a minority stance. You go men. You go women. That's what being a follower of Jesus Christ is all about. Now, clarification here. Taking a minority stance is not about pushing away and judging and looking down on those who don't believe the way you do, speak the way you do, and act the way you do. We are called to be light. We are called to be love. Lovers of people. And so even though we may not act like the people around us and party the way the people around us do and live and treat our wives and our kids like other people do, but that doesn't mean to ostracize them from your lives. You are called to be a father figure for those, those guys who don't know what it is to be a dad. So don't push them away, but take a minority stance. Here's an awesome example. Many of you may have actually heard of this guy. He's a Navy SEAL called Rourke Denver. Everyone, anyone read his books? Uh, some of you will today, I'm sure. He's a Navy SEAL, author, father, and a lover of Jesus, and he is now the keynote speaker all across this country. Why? It's because he's a warrior, and he's a man that takes a minority position. And in one of the books, he talks about him going to his two daughters' ballet recital. And there were very few dads at this ballet recital. And the very few dads seemed to just rally around the same area. And they're sitting in the auditorium waiting for the lights to come on and the ballet recital to start. And these guys are just jabbing each other like men do to look like men. And they're saying, hey, you know what? Why don't we go out and shoot around? 
or hey, how about we go out and do a round of shots and hey, 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 we need to get out of here as fast as we can. This is for women, da, 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 da. And you know what Rourke Denver does? He turns around and he says this, look, I don't know you, but let me tell you something about me. I love my daughters and I love that they are ballerinas. So I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than right here, right now. Real dads love ballet. My two-year-old daughter's getting into the nail polish. Real dads like getting their nails painted. Dads, girls, come on. And it doesn't matter what people think of you. You're the real dad to them and you love what your kids love. Real dads take a minority position. Real dads, this is the takeaway. You're not afraid to stand out by taking a minority position on the little things. Here it is. So that when the big things come, you will have the muscles to meet them head on. And they will come. But real dads take a minority position. Mark four. Real dads are protectors. Actually, that's Mark five, right? Real dads are protectors. Your God-given responsibility as men is to protect your own. We may never ever have a heroic story written on newspapers and on Facebook and online and on the television screen, but I guarantee you we have a calling and a responsibility to protect those in our lives who are one day going to have that downloaded on their hearts because you protected them. And I love this quote by Dennis Rainey at Life, uh, Lifeway. It says this, when men don't step up, the cost of doing nothing means that indecency, immorality, and other aberrant behaviors become the new norm in the culture. Hello? Our children and grandchildren will pay the ultimate price if we turn our heads when men are not warriors, when men don't push back against evil with good, the evil we were meant to conquer turns around and preys upon us and our generation. Men have vision. Because men have vision, they work, and they're willing to take a minority stance. And I skipped three I did, didn't I? I'll get to it in a minute. Well, thank you. Dads are team players. Will you shift with me for just a minute? Dads are team players. What does that mean? Well, boys are lone wolves. Dads go in packs. Boys make others comfortable. Men make others better. You see, the best team that you can be a part of is a marriage, men. The best team that you can be a part of is a marriage. And the best thing that you can do for yourself is have a kid either biologically or legally through foster care or adoption or mentor some kids. Hello, everybody. Our youth are looking to our men and women, but men, real dads, are team players. The Bible defines a real dad as someone who is humble. We see it in Philippians uh, 2, where Jesus exemplifies the ultimate team player. And then we see it on the scripture right here of Ephesians 4. In humility and gentleness, act and live your life with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 
You see, a team player is in it for the team, not themselves. They bring their best game for the team. What team are you on? And what team are you playing for, dads? Because real dads are team players. And number three, real dads take a minority position. And number four, no, I'm all messed up. I'm still on vacation. Thank you for your patience. Number three, real, help me out, would you? Number three, team players. Number four, yes, and then we'll get to number five. The last but not least, I need a nap. <laughs> last but not, you guys are so good to me. I guess that's what it took to get you to kind of respond and participate. So, hey, it's worth it. I'll put my life on the line for you. Um, number five, dads are protectors. Men, say protectors. Now, say it like real men, protectors. Protectors. Yeah. We protect. And so we saw that when men don't step up, the cost of doing nothing means everything. And now, getting to the British politician, Edmund Burke says this. Don't check out, we're almost done. He didn't say that, but I did. He says this, all that is necessary, just, man, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. When evil invades a man's life and marriage, his children's lives, his work, and his community, the easiest thing for him to do is nothing. But men protect. They do something about it. You see, God's man, real godly dads, this is awesome. They protect using God's strength, which is God's truth. They protect always filtering everything and speaking with confidence of God's truth. That's God's strength. So men protect in God's strength, his word, but also men protect in God's power. What is his power? His love. Real, studly men know how to protect in truth and by laying their lives down with love. Real men protect their marriage by staying pure and fighting for their marriage and loving their wives as Christ loves the church. Real men protect their children. That means becoming a monster and not a hero for teaching your kids what they don't understand now and what they don't like to hear. You train up a child in the way that they should go according to God's word. And God's promise is you won't change them, he will. As they get older, they will not forget it. Real men protect their families. And real men protect the least of these. I love this story that Brian Tome gives. A woman at Stanford several years ago, you probably heard this on the news, she was raped right on Stanford camp campus. But she was stopped before it was too late because two men on bikes saw what was going on and ran to her rescue, got the guy off of her and got the guy in cuffs. And do you know what this girl said in her court statement? She said this, I sleep with two bicycles that I drew on a piece of paper and I taped above my head to remind me that there are heroes in this story. That we are looking out for one another. That there are still people out there who care. To have felt their protection and love is something I will never forget. Real dads protect. They protect their wives, they protect their families, and they protect others around them. Take away. Real dads, they protect through the strength that comes through the word of God and the power that comes from God's unconditional, sacrificial life. Could the band come up? 
So dads, how are you doing? And you know what? If I were sitting where you are right now in your shoes, I'd be pretty dang proud of the dad you are. You know why? Number one, you're here. You could be anywhere else. And you're here to lead your family to worship God. And number two, I have seen real life change out of so many of you men. And I'm so excited for the future to see our men become real men who love God, who have vision, who work, who take a minority stance, who are team players, and who protect. So as we worship, would you all stand? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word today. And as we sing this response song, would you just be delighted as a father to all of us, as a good, good daddy to all of us, that we love you and we celebrate you today. And for every man in this room and that can hear my voice, I pray, Zechariah 4, 6 over you, that you would live your life of vision, you would work out of that vision, that you would be a team player, that you would take a minority stance, that you would be a protector, and that you would live your life, not by might, nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit of the Lord. That, my friends, is what will leave a fingerprint way beyond 